Welcome back to Beat the Good with Kate, the show that inspires each of us to see how we have the power to make a difference all around us. Each episode highlights an individual doing good in the world while following their passions, good for their own souls and for others. I get so excited about sharing each and every episode of Be The Good With You, and I hope you enjoy these people and stories. If you're new here, welcome, and if you are returning, thank you so much for your support. I'm so glad you found Be The Good With Kate and would love to hear from you. If you're finding value in these episodes, I invite you to share with someone who could also use this dose of good news, or tag me on social with your favorite quote from the episode. Every share, subscriber, review, and comment helps me to share these guests' wonderful work to more people. Thank you for your help in this. Now, onto this week's episode. Let's spread a little more goodness in the world. Today on Be the Good, I am so excited to welcome Danny Covey. He has had eight heart surgeries and has nearly died on operating tables three times. He was told that he would never physically excel. Yet to look at him now, you would absolutely never know any of this. He is a fit black belt with a wife and three children living in Ottawa, Canada. And I'm grateful he is here to share his story today. And that is only the beginning of it. So Danny, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me on your show. That's a pretty good introduction there. Oh, thanks. Well, it's absolutely my pleasure. And I was telling Danny before we clicked record, there is just right, even in our email communication, there was such an energy and a vibrancy. So I was very excited to get Danny on the show. And please tell us more about who you are and what you do in your own words. Um, so you... Um, you gave a great brief bio. Um, I've got a wife and three kids. My uh, my oldest is 18. My daughter's 16. My youngest son is 14. Uh, I stay busy in the world of graph design, marketing, video production. Um, I got my fingers in a lot of different pies. Um, I also teach art part-time here in Ottawa, and I work full-time in marketing as well. So I always have a lot on the go. Um, to really talk about what's happened to me and my story, uh, I have to start with my parents because um, that's really, it began as their story. And they, I was the third of four children and at, at about a year, just over a year old, um, I just fainted one day and they could, they didn't know what was wrong. They thought maybe I had choked on something couldn't revive me. They took me to the hospital and at the hospital, they eventually were able to revive me. And I thought, well, we don't know what's wrong. We, we can't pinpoint anything specific. And so that was, uh, like I said, it was just over a year. And that happened probably about five or six times. And every time it was the same pattern, my parents would rush me to the hospital. They'd revive me. They didn't know what was wrong. Uh, they took me to several specialists and eventually one of the specialists, it was number 11, the 11th doctor that finally said, there's a problem with your son's heart. We need to go to sick kids hospital in Toronto, Ontario. And so at the age of just over one, I had my first open heart surgery and it was an experimental surgery at the time. And the odds were not good but spoiler alert, I survived and I'm here, but that's really where uh, the challenges with my heart began way back in about 1978. Wow. Wow. And then how was it as a child then with this, where you were very limited physically. So can you paint us a little bit more of a picture of, of that world? 
Yeah. Um, so I was never the kid in gym class that got picked last. I wasn't even there. I was in another room. Um, I've never done gym. In fact, my brother-in-law showed me how to shoot a basketball when I was in my late 20s. So growing up, I had a lot of health restrictions, a lot of things that I couldn't do. And it was always, well, you know, your heart, you got to think about your heart. There were uh, periods in my childhood where I had to carry around an oxygen tank just in case. Um, and then probably between the ages of eight and 14, I had about five heart surgeries just in that amount of time. So I grew up never really being involved in sports, never being encouraged to get involved. It was always, well, just be careful. You don't want to strain anything. And uh, so drawing was my, was my outlet, was my creative outlet back then. And a quick question about with your heart today, is that the same prescription? Is it still just be careful or is with what you have, has there been more advancement in, in how you care for that? So part of the issue growing up is my aortic valve was always too narrow. Mm. And so every surgery that they did tried to expand it so that the blood flow could get through. And then when I was 14, uh, they tried a number of different surgeries. They tried an experimental surgery when I was 12. And then finally at 14, they said, we're going to actually remove your valve and put in an artificial one. Mm -hmm. And so it was a, it was a very difficult surgery. That was one of three that I almost died. Um, but the cool part of it was I got a mechanical valve oh. and as a 14 year old, I was like a cyborg. So I got this in my mind, I was a cyborg. I got this plastic valve and it ticks like a watch. So you can hear it ticking. But after I had that surgery, when I was 14, that was really the first time where I was told, hey, now you can go out and try some things. Try running, try swimming. Of course, I wanted to go do martial arts. Um, the challenge was because, um, because I'm on blood thinners, because I have a foreign object in my body, the doctors really didn't want me doing any contact sports. So rugby, football, anything that's excessively uh, hard hitting, a lot of bruising, things like that, they wanted me to stay away from. So I begged and pleaded. I said, can I please do martial arts, but I won't compete. Okay. And like, of course, I grew up watching Jackie Chan and Bruce Lee. And I'm like, I want to be these guys. But it was it was it was laughably so impossible. But I somehow managed to convince my cardiologist, my parents, I said, please let me try. And so they did. And it shocked me as much as anyone else. So I started really testing my limits, probably in my teens and just seeing what can I do? What can I not do? Did that terrify your parents? I just, yes. just right. Just thinking like they didn't know, is this going to kill you? Is this going to put you in the hospital? Like, how did that work? They well, I, I will say this. My parents were not helicopter parents. Mm -hmm. They they were careful, but they also allowed me to use my judgment on things. Okay. So I look back now and I'm like, I don't know if I'd be that kind of a parent to let them 
give me that much freedom, but what they were, they were good. So I would run. And when I felt pressure, I'd back off. Okay. And there were a few times my brother took an unusual interest in running with me. And I later found out it was, you know, mom and dad sending him with me to see how am I doing? So I've always been careful with my limits, but um, having said that, you don't know your limits until you push. And so that's what I've always tried to do is just push and say, okay, it's difficult here. Can I push a little bit more? Okay, no, I can't. And so finding those limits. And um, that's something that I've, I've learned over the years too, is you you can't just accept what you're told. If somebody says you'll never be able to walk, you'll never be able to run, you'll never be able to do this. If you don't challenge that, you're going to accept limits that are not yours and they're not true. So that's why I'm, even now I'm a huge proponent of somebody says, you can't do this. I said, well, what if I could, what would it take? Could I try? And I find, you know, I was told like, you'll never be able to do anything physical. And now I've gotten my first degree black belt. I've gotten another black belt title, which if I had accepted those limits given to me way back when I wouldn't be doing anything. You know, the CTV segment, I'll, I'll link it in the show notes for everyone too, was so interesting. It's about a about three minute video, right? Where you are featured mm-hmm. on the, it, is it Canada television? Is that what CTV stands for, right? Yes. Just Canada television, right? Okay. So that would be like our NBC, CBS, I guess, right here yeah. in the yeah. States. And that was so interesting to see because you saw photos of you on the operating table, you know, and just looking, you know, very weak physically. And then you see the video of you getting thrown onto the ground and throwing someone else on the ground in the martial arts aspect. And so how did we get from you just starting martial arts to like where those videos are and you earning your black belt? Tell the audience how many years it took and how you paced yourself and any of that. So I did uh, freestyle karate when I was younger, in my teens, and um, I worked really hard at that. I pushed my limits. And then like any average person, I went to college. I started dating. I got married. I got a job. And so that dream kind of got crowded out for many years. And in my 30s, I thought, you know what? I've always wanted to get back into this. And so I was about 36 at the time, and I started training in jiu-jitsu. And again, the deal was, um, I'm not going to be in any competitions. I'm not going to take direct punches to the body that are really hard, but I want to try. I want to I want to just see what can I do. And the people that I train with will tell you, like, I struggle, but I did not want and I did not ask for any special treatment. If, and I, and when I started, I didn't tell my instructors for the first year that I had any heart condition because I didn't want any special treatment. When they found out they were uh, rightly furious, <laughs> but I, for me, I wanted to earn, I wanted to earn my spot there, not be like, well, he's got a heart condition. We won't go as hard on him. So I had advanced um, up until about a brown belt level, which is just before black belt. And then I ran into some problems with my heart. My aorta had enlarged. This was when I was 40. This would have been about 2017. So I was almost a black belt. I've been training for several years and now I'm having heart surgery. 
And what ended up happening in 2017 is my aortic had enlarged. And then when they operated on me, it actually burst. And aortic aneurysms, they're not something that people come back from. And so I know people say miracle a lot, but this truly was a miracle. Um, even my doctor who had performed the surgery, the, the surgeon, he said, you know, I can't explain it. Like we operated, I didn't have blood or oxygen for nine minutes. We did the surgery and then it was just, we don't know. So they repair, they managed to repair my aortic arch. Um, the original plan had been to repair my uh, aortic valve, get a new one, a new plastic valve. They couldn't do that. So they repaired the arch. I still have the original valve that I had when I was 14. It's still going strong. But at that time, I had the surgery and I recovered. And it was a difficult recovery. Um, and because I was so focused, I had a goal, like I want to get back into martial arts, but I've just had surgery and it's impossible. You can't. And so um, I remember having arg little arguments with my cardiologist. He says, you can't do this anymore. I said, why? I said, I won't, I won't compete. Just let, just let me try it. And he's thinking like cage fighting, like UFC. Oh. I said, no, 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 it's, it's not quite that. But I literally had to show him YouTube videos of here's what we do and here's what I will do. And so very, very, very reluctantly, he's like, fine, just please be careful. And so when I went back to training, I, I took about 20 months off. And um, when I came back, I wanted to make sure like I could compete at, I could perform at a, a, at a, a strong level. I wasn't still weak, but I came back and um, my instructors were initially a little nervous. You know, what if I get kicked accidentally? But I read something really interesting and this stuck with me. It's that scar tissue is actually stronger than ordinary skin tissue. And so all those times that have been opened up and, and it heals, it's actually stronger. So if I get hit, you know, it's, it, nothing's going to break, nothing's going to fall apart. You know, people often ask me, well, what happens if I punched you in the chest? And I'd say, I'd punch you back harder. <laughs> But anyway, um, so I, I was eager to get back training and just knowing, you know what, my heart, if I'm smart, I can train, my body can take it, there's scar tissue there. And that's, and that's really what drove me is just knowing I can do this, I will be smart about it. And so it was 20 months after I returned from having surgery that I earned my black belt. Wow. And I just, when you were talking about the instructors being so nervous, like I, I think of it, you know, myself, when I'm teaching, I teach fitness on the side as well. And I've taught dance over the years. And when someone comes to me and they say, you know, oh, I have this injury, or I have that injury. It is scary at first because a lot of people don't do the work to ask all the questions like you did, or to find out what is actually 
safe or at least uh, what do you say? You have on Instagram uh, a, a sensible risk. A you have yes. a post about risk, right? risk responsibly. Risk risk responsibly, right? And so to hear you say, you know, oh, I knew that this would not hurt me, and I knew that this was okay, and I knew that I could back off. That's so important. You know, you, you hear stories too many times of even something like the first doctor I went to told me X, but I knew that it had to be more than that. So I went to another doctor and another doctor, and then I finally got to Y and Z. And it takes so many. I mean, you you experienced that at, when you were one, going yeah. to 11 doctors. Um, have you now in talking to people over the years, I'm getting off, off my questions, but I'm just so fascinated. Have you found that more people are asking these questions of their doctors less have you noticed any you know changes with that for the better i i don't know if i've noticed a change mm -hmm. what i have noticed is when people are told things you can't just accept that on face value and so i i think about my own life if i had done that I would have never done anything physical. I'd still be on 11 different medic medications. I would not be doing anything, but I literally had to fight to, to, and not, not, it's not that you don't listen to advice you're given, but you challenge it. Mm -hmm. And so they're saying, you have to be on these medications. I said, why, why do I need this? Well, it's because if you don't do this, well, what if I, what if I exercise regularly? Do I need to stay on this? No. And just challenge what you're told. And I think that really goes back to my parents. They visited 10 different doctors. And when they didn't get a satisfactory answer, or an answer that made sense, they kept looking. And so that's what I tell people. If you've got a diagnosis of, you know, I've got diabetes or I've got this issue, and this is what the doctor told me to do. And I guess this is my life now. Don't accept it. Fight, fight for what you want. And I'm a huge proponent in asking for forgiveness, not permission, because very few people are going to give you permission for things. Um, incidentally, I, I do want to share this. Um, the, the head instructor, his name is Bill, Bill Gatchel. He kept a close eye on me, and I didn't know why for a long time. So if I was training for uh, in preparation for my black belt exam, sometimes I would get really winded. And so I'd be bending over. I'd sound like I'm dying. I'm not. And several people would come rushing over. And I'm like, where do they come from? And then he's watching me out of the corner of the room. And I thought, that's interesting. So a few weeks before my black belt exam, Bill and I had a conversation on the phone. And I found out his father had had a heart attack on the mats when he had been training just a few years prior and his father had died on the mats. And so fast forward a couple of years, here comes this kid with a heart problem who wants to get a black belt and, and Bill's thinking, is this going to be deja vu all over again? And so we had a conversation and I love his attitude because he, he said, who am I to take away your right to try? If he had just been closed my nope, nope, there's too much risk. Uh, I wouldn't have been able to earn a black belt. But he gave me the opportunity. He trusted my judgment. And I think that's huge. 
And so it was, it was a challenge. And there was sometimes I thought, can I do this? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to do my best. If I fail, I will have failed trying. And it's, and it's fascinating to me what you can accomplish if you just don't accept those preset limitations that either you put on yourself or other people give you. Absolutely. Wow. Just incredible. And you know, the, the next question I was going to ask are good news moments, but you have been just giving us one after the other, after the other, after the other here. Um, so maybe I'll, I'll ask with a spin on it, going back to, you mentioned how art helped you along the way. Are there any stories of finding art incorporating into your life? And now of course you work in a very artistic field, uh, anything you'd like to share? Um, my, my parents look, looked at it like a blessing. I naturally am a creative person. I don't like being the center of attention, but I love creating the center of attention. Mm. So no, I couldn't do basketball and soccer and things growing up, but I love to draw for hours. And that love as an adult turned into, I love creating logos and designs and websites for people and then i've expanded more recently video i love the fact that you can close your eyes and dream something and then upload it to youtube and say here here's what i was thinking so the creative outlet for me has always been almost like yes you've got this problem but here's something else you can do and it works together so it's not like i've spent my life longing to do the things I can't do, I've been able to really push ahead in some of these other areas. And more recently, even writing, I love the idea, whether it's a painting, a logo, a website, you're writing a story, you're filming a movie, it's dreaming here, and then it's tangible later. I love that. I love how you worded that. Okay, and speaking of wording things, so you have, I'm just looking at what, how exactly so I get it right. Speaking of quotes, I saw multiple times in researching you, make it happen, McAdams. Can you please tell, (laughs) can you please share? I got to watch the YouTube video, but for the audience who doesn't know what that is, please share this story. So I'm actually so, I'm I'm deeply touched you mentioned that because uh, my wife and I are huge fans of Rachel McAdams. I like her movies. I think she's a talented actress, uh, not in a creepy way, but I, I, I do, we do enjoy watching her films. I think she's good at what she does. She's a fellow Canadian. And I've always had this, um, I don't know if dreams the right word, but this fanciful idea that I would invite her to walk with me and I should stop there and just explain after my last surgery, I walk almost every single day. And at my peak, I would go like two or three hours a day. Like I, it's become a regular part of my life. And so I've had the privilege of walking with like, I wouldn't say hundreds of people, but definitely dozens of people. And I've invited, Hey, I'm going for a walk on this day. If you want to come join me, let's walk. And sometimes there are people I don't know at all. Sometimes there are people I've haven't kept in touch with. And it's just an opportunity just to hear what's going on in their life. And I thought, how amazing would it be if I could invite Rachel McAdams to walk with me and then use that as a promotional tool for Sick Kids Hospital, which is I've had most of my surgeries at Sick Kids. So believe it or not, 
Um, I ran this, my little campaign a few years ago. I invited her to walk with me and I reached out to anybody I knew and said, if you can, if you know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody that knows Kevin Bacon, that knows somebody, <laughs> let's right. get it out there. And interestingly enough, what I found out is within three days, it got to her publisher or sorry, her public relations manager. And that's it. I don't know what's gone on since then. I don't know if it's not, <laughs> I don't know if she thinks, well, who's this weird guy, but I, I don't know, but it's still my goal. I'd love to be able to walk with her just to bring attention and say, look, let's do this for sick kids hospital. Let's promote the hospital. Let's turn this into an advertising thing where they get more, pre more um, publicity. Uh, it'd be great to finally meet you. It would be, I, I can't see a downside other than maybe she perceives I'm a, a crazy, <laughs> crazy guy or something. Well, if she took two seconds on your website, she'd see that all your intentions are good ones. And I just, I love how you have this idea of um, I'll walk, I'll bring whoever wants to join me with me. Uh, I find walking just one of the most therapeutic things you can do. And being out in nature, I mean, every study shows how beneficial that is. Yep. And I mean, I'm always telling my clients, if you can't do anything else, just get out the door for 10 minutes, take a walk, do what you can for, take a walk. Uh, so I just, I just love that that is such a part of your world. And I think it's a great example too, for people to say, oh, it, it is a way I could make a difference in my own life, in someone else's life, just by being a listening ear and to do something like your idea with Rachel of promoting a nonprofit, promoting a business that is giving back and doing such good things. Yeah. When I have meetings now, I just encourage people. I said, let's not go to a coffee shop. Let's just go walk. Yes. And I, and I find even just for creativity, it's hard to, if you're down, it's hard to stay down creatively. You're actually moving. And so I'm a huge proponent of it. Um, I, I love walking and I'll walk with anyone. Oh, if I wasn't so many miles away, I, we could make this a walking chat right now. <laughs> One of these days I'll, I'll get to Ottawa and then, then you're going to hear from me. Look hey, me up. I will. I will. Hey, Danny, are there any quotes or sayings or mantras that you've carried with you over the years? There's a couple. So Great. I'm going to, I could tell you, but I want to show you first. Okay. Love it. Okay. Oh, was that my, sign language? My niece taught me that. Oh. And it means never give up. Oh, that's great. And so if you're listening and not watching, you can check on YouTube. But that was the ASL of never give up. Yeah. And that has been that has been the thing that keeps me going is just don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Never, ever, ever, ever give up. And part of the reason why I do have a quote. Um, I'm going to read it because I can't quite memorize it. That's okay. But the quote is this one day you will tell your story of how you've overcome what you're going through now, and it will become part of someone else's survival guide. Ooh, that's good. And that right there is why I never give up because somebody needs to see me go through difficult things because they will go through difficult things. And if I can do it and I can help somebody else, then they can help somebody else. And so that's been a huge challenge for me is just 
I'm going through this. It's not meaningless. I'm not a victim. I'm going to face very difficult things because somebody else is going to face these and they need to know you can get through it. So that's, that's one of those moments I've been this season. There've been a couple of times when I've said to the guests, like that's a pause, rewind and go back and listen to it again moment. And um, I hope that everybody does because that was, that's a very powerful thought and something to, to keep with us for sure. You know, and that's why people have asked me, you know, do you see yourself as victimized or, you know, you've never but never been able to do the things you've wanted to do, or you've spent so much of your childhood just suffering. And I say no, because it's all for a reason and it's to help other people. And I, you know, a lot of people will say, well, you know, do you ever ask why does this happen? And I don't think I'll ever know why. I don't think you'll get to know you'll never get a satisfactory answer. But I've always tried to ask, what, what is this teaching me? Because then then that gives me things that I can work with. Um, For me, just even having to slow down and just literally rebuild from step one. And, you know, the first walk I did was literally four minutes long. And then I took a two hour nap because I was so wiped out. So what is a way better question than why? in my opinion, and that helps you to build along the way and help others as well. Well, and that ties right into the last question too. If if someone came to you and they wanted to make a difference and they didn't know how to start or where to start or what to do, so you have what's, is there any advice that you'd give them? I would say if there's something in your heart that you want to do, try it. And don't don't accept again, limitations you put on yourself or don't accept limitations others have put on you. Even if you fail miserably, you've tried. And then second to that, realize if there's things you want to do or things you're challenged to do, step out and do it because someone else needs to see you do that thing. And for if no other example, just to see For my kids to see, you know what, dad didn't give up that time and he's still going. And therefore, when I encounter obstacles 10 years from now or 20 years from now, I've got a blueprint of what to do. I think that's that's the value in in just being an example or just encouraging people do not quit when things are difficult, even when you don't see a way through. Danny, this has been such an inspiring episode. Thank you so much for sharing this with us. I'm I'm so happy to be here. And again, that's part of why I'm here, just to be able to share. Maybe one of your listeners can connect with something I'm saying and it'll encourage them. And Danny, where can everybody find you to follow you online? Um, I have a website, uh, dannycovey.com. I'm very findable on social media, on Facebook, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram. Um, not hard to find at all, so... Great. Well, thank you so much. And that will all be in the show notes as well. I can't wait to share this. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me here on your show. I've really enjoyed it. Hey, listeners, if you're a regular here at Be The Good With Kate, you know that we have been giving some good deed doers shout outs all month long. If you're new, welcome. For my birthday this year, I asked for people to send me nominations for the good deeds doers in their lives. So this week's shout out is to Cindy Miller of Bloomsbury, New Jersey. And her nominator is Julie Cherichello. 
Cindy is someone who is so busy with multiple jobs and grandchildren she cares for, but she is never too busy to help a friend or acquaintance in need. From driving to doctors, picking up prescriptions and groceries, making chicken soup for the sick, and providing a listening ear. The list goes on. She is one of God's angels. Cindy Miller, thanks for being you. Thanks so much for listening to Be The Good with Kate Cherichello. Whether you're listening on YouTube or via podcast, it would mean the world if you liked, subscribed, and or left a review. You heard about the good? Now go out and be the good in your life this week. If you have stories of good news that need to be shared, please send me a message. Thanks again and have a great week.